The first step in getting closer to God is to realize that you need to or that you want to. And the second step in getting closer to God is to realize that it's possible. I want to encourage you to check out my book, Getting Closer to God, Anthologies from the Forefront Trilogy, Book 2. I think this will really be helpful to you in your pursuit of the Lord and help you understand what I learned over the first 30 plus years of my life as a believer, as a minister, and as a missionary in uh, a lot of the countries of the earth. Check it out. Anthologies from the Forefront, Book 2, Getting Closer to God. It's on Amazon. Welcome to From the Forefront, an FX Missions podcast. Stories about courageous souls who felt the call of missions and obeyed. Hi, it's Scott McClellan with your From the Forefront. We're uh, really honored today to be joined by the Kirkpatricks. These guys are, though they're going to sound like they're in the same room, currently right now they're far, far away in Durban, South Africa. Rod and Trina, can you guys hear me okay that far away? Loud and clear. We've got you, man. (laughs) Hearing you from Durban. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's silly. You know, sometimes it's fun. Durban, South Africa. Actually, we're on the stage up right now and preparing to come and visit you guys in Durban. So we're really looking forward to that. We were together not too far back when you guys were in the States. We did that little trip out to Juarez, Mexico. Really looking forward to seeing you guys again and for the first time seeing you in Durban. So we appreciate the invitation. We are really, really looking forward to get to know Durban as well. Thanks for the invite. You're welcome, man. We're excited to have you guys come. (laughs) Well, thank you. Well, Rod and Trina, if you can't tell, are from Texas, like most fine folks are. (laughs) Amen. Preach it, brother. Preach it. Come on, bro. That's right. That's right. They've been in South Africa now for a number of years. We want to just talk to them a little bit here on From the Forefront about their mission story, how they ended up in South Africa, how long they've been there, where where they come from, maybe a little bit about their conversion experience and how they felt the call to missions. So we're going to hope to get through that in the time allotted here. And if necessary, we'll get them back on a a follow-up episode. But thanks again for joining us. And I'm guessing there probably is at least two stories there, or, you know, they're the same story with different sides. Yeah. Is that, is that a safe assumption? You know, let me tell you. So, from from my vantage point, there definitely are a couple of stories, but my my conversion was young, early days, and I, and I thank the Lord for it more and more every day. The more I live, mm. the more thankful I am that it, I didn't go through a huge period away from the Lord before I came to Him. But the bigger sentinel, sentinel moment, if you will, for me, as far as my walk with the Lord was, was when the Holy Spirit got introduced to me in 1992. I was uh, from a very conservative background, uh, again, knew the Lord, it was real. But at university, I had an experience with the Holy Spirit for the first time in that way. And that literally turned my world upside down overnight, if you will. Uh, Mm I went from being somebody who didn't know, didn't know that uh, prophecy and vision existed to, to see in visions thinking I might have a mental problem for a little while. Um, (laughs) And that, that's, that is not a joke. Uh, uh, There, there was some question there because that's how little background I had with, with the Holy spirit, spiritual gifts and things like that. And that was Uh a few years. That was a few years. Well, that was a few years before we met, babe. We met in 94. So, so Trina and I met in 94, just a couple years after that, but we did not, uh, we did not get married until 2000. So, okay. Yeah. I had started to work with a man who's now gone on to be with the Lord there in Dallas, Mm. Fort Worth named James Jeter. We, We started it together and it was kind of a edgy 
church, uh, mission, outreach, company kind of experience there. And I'd started Mm -hmm. in the ministry really, really shortly after I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And when Trina and I got married in 2000, she'd already been, right? I mean, she'd already been ready and raring to go as far as missions go. Trina's the one that had mission dreams from the time she was born. <laughs> you know, I, I am wow. just kind of happened into this stuff and the Lord surprises me at the last second and tells me to go. But, but Trina, she thought from early age that she'd be in some sort of missionary capacity. Isn't that right, babe? Yeah. Something like that. So that, as far as how we came to it, we were really more serving in a local type role and doing short-term missions. We, we were doing a lot of mm-hmm. traveling because of the invitation of others and, and that kind of thing. And, mm-hmm. and um, like I said, Trina was always ready to go. I was the one that had to hear two <laughs> or three ways to Sunday before I went. <laughs> We might be learning something about personalities here as we talk yeah. about. Yeah, no, I, I think you will. I think you will. I don't know. Does that does that answer does that answer the question yeah. to start with? There, yeah, that does. That does makes sense. Trina, is there anything you wanted to say about that specifically? Just to add to what what Rodney said, I I grew up in a in a Southern Baptist church, and you know Southern Baptist is very mission oriented. So we uh, mm. we knew missionaries from all over when I was growing up and I'm pretty sure that's where the Lord put in my heart the desire to be on the mission field. Mm-hmm. I had been to Mexico and El Salvador and all over the United States on short-term mission trips. So when we were asked to come to Africa the first time on a short-term mission trip, I was like, let's go. And Rodney said, let's pray about this. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's pretty much the story right there of, of how it works that right there but, but we've taken all the all the tests that they have and it's we've proven that opposites attract <laughs> yeah that's about right <laughs> that that is uh it's like a deep double blind study and opposites attract and you <laughs> you, you came up with the results that uh you expected that's yeah right. for sure yeah. That's that's very cool. And I'm with you. I was raised Southern Baptist as well and actually didn't meet the Lord until after after I was had forsaken <laughs> the Southern Baptist kind of thing. But I remember that Lottie Moon offering, even though mm-hmm. I before sure, I was yeah. saved. So, you know, the, talking sure. about the missional aspect of the Southern Baptist uh, ministry, which is, a ex, you know, incredible strength. Yes. And uh certainly helped me become aware of that mission missional perspective as well. So you guys, first of all, got invited to uh, South Africa on a short-term trip. I think you probably went back there a number of times after that first short-term trip. But at what point during that process did you know, well, we're going to be living in South Africa at some point? Was that early on or did it come later? I think there was a a pretty strong suspicion and general impression, Scott, very early on, maybe even during the first trip. Okay. What what took a while, and it it wasn't just me, by the way. <laughs> Trina, you know, <laughs> we we are blaming the slow go on me, which which I readily accept. <laughs> but what took a while was uh, discerning the when that the Lord wanted us to be here in a full-time capacity. I was probably ready to do that or, or venture towards that ahead of Trina, largely because we were still raising kids there in the States. Mm -hmm. And that was a, that was a big factor, but you know, (laughs) and I I don't want to start reading in too much here, but, or answering too much ahead of time, but I'm, I'm actually really, really thankful, even though it was difficult for me to wait. I'm really thankful that we did um, wait for some years. We traveled here a bunch short term. You, you said a few times it was a lot of times and some of them for long chunks of time, some of them for six or eight mm-hmm. weeks at a time. 
mm. between 2000 and 2007. You know, that's the period of time where we did okay. short-term type missions in South mm -hmm. Africa and Sub-Saharan Africa. So we did a lot of trips, buddy. Uh, okay. And then yeah, they yeah. were they were they were all good uh, and all fantastic. But you know, I think I'm just glad that we waited. <laughs> Glad that yeah. we waited for the real, you know, we, we, we talk, you know, I know you and I have talked about it, but we use the term, uh, you know, the difference between calling and commissioning mm -hmm. with, with commissioning being the exact time that the Lord really says, this is when you go do it. It took mm -hmm. some years of waiting for that to come. And, and I think that's a really important first step for somebody that's going to live on the mission field. <laughs> is to yeah, be sure they've yeah, got yeah. The, the commission timing pretty well down and it's not just them hearing it it's it's others helping them them talking to others and, and them bearing witness yeah oh that makes sense to me and i'm i'm tracking with you i know you to be a great teacher i think maybe it would be good at some point if we talked about specifically about what you're talking about calling and commissioning I know, you know, back some weeks ago or some months ago, you were on the Leadership Moment podcast, the other podcast we do. You were actually episode 99. So, uh, yeah, thank you uh, for joining us on that. We were actually on location <laughs> in Juarez at the time. So, But I'd love to double back on another Leadership Moment and, and talk specifically or get you to talk specifically about the calling and commissioning process sure, and sure. and how how your experience was with that. So sure. I'm completely tracking with you. If you think about that, I'm I'm guessing though from between 2000 and 2007 is when you got you're starting to get a sense of that commissioning that you're talking about and ultimately sure. you guys did the 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 full relocate and got yes. to Durban. Tell us if you will a little bit about you know, either of you and both and or both of you, if you'd like, uh, tell us a little bit about the kind of work that you're doing in South Africa and the kind of results that you expected. What what were you expecting to do when you got there initially? And how is that the same? And how is it different? How is what you're doing different than what you originally expected you'd be doing? If so. Okay, well, I'll tell you what. Let me let me start and be sure not to be the one that finishes. Trina, Trina would have a really neat perspective for you here too. But you know, generally speaking, we didn't come with a specific idea to to church plant like some folks do in mission. Uh -huh. We came more with an idea to. Um, to identify and, and train um, leadership in churches and in other ministry capacities. And that was our main focus. And I think still is. I think still that's that's the that's the primary cog of of our work is is training and discipling, trying to build up leaders uh, in, in what we're doing now. And, and that's happened and that's been great where. Where things are a good bit different for me, the the areas in which we have reached out to leadership have been an awful lot different than what I knew of before we came. We we started out primarily with input into um, the Indian Church area here in in the Durban area. There's a very large Indian community here, several million Indian people from India, Indian wow. people wow. in Durban. Yeah. Uh, and we still have, we still have input there, but it is, it's interesting because um, with our start there, now we have more input and influence in the Zulu community here in, in KwaZulu-Natal. So, so we have a uh, a, a good number, a good fair number of Zulu pastors and leaders that we work with, and 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 there are other there are other areas mm -hmm. as well. What, what's that, babe? Mm -hmm. So yeah, something we didn't plan on at all, none that the Lord just popped up is 
There's a pretty large immigrant community, particularly from the, the Democratic Republic of Congo, what we call the DRC, that live in the Durban mm-hmm. area. There's about 50,000 odd, and that's a rough number, Congolese that live in Durban. Wow. We got led into working with, with some of these guys, and, and some of these guys were brand new converts. We led them to the Lord. Some of them weren't, but it's been a really, really neat experience because we've seen them grow up in the Lord, and, and now now they're off and ministering to, to churches and leaders, and we're going with them to, to areas that we hadn't been before because they've been you know, raised up by God's grace. So I, I think it's it's neat. The, the general the general mission of touching leadership and and raising leadership, I think, is something that we had before we got here. But the the various avenues into leaders' hearts, honestly, it's been wider, right, babe? It's just been wider and more than we ever thought we ever thought we would experience here. So that that's been, you know, you go go not knowing, if you will. We we did have an idea of what we were going to do, but boy, mm-hmm. we sure didn't have any idea how many different areas we'd be talking in uh, and with. Wow. Well, to me that that's interesting that you you were pretty sure, and you know, you had it kind of from the outset about the uh, the Indian believers there. Sure. But, uh, after you got there, the Lord added to the the people groups that you'd be working with. So that to me is, is pretty cool now. It, and, and also surprising. I, I think that's happens a lot of times for me. You know, I find that I started out a certain way. And a lot of times in my case, the Lord was just giving me the motivation to get going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, yes. like uh, you got to get the car moving. And that, that to me was, and sometimes change significantly. Some some of the people that I or relationships that I started with have changed over time. They're not quite what they were at the beginning. Sure. Uh, so sure. that that picture becomes more complete over time. Uh, and you yep. and it also I know I know changes. Sometimes in, in my case, the relationships that I've worked with, let's say 10 years ago, that those people that I was working with, they had something specific that they needed during that season. And that was something that I was able to help them with. And then, you know, after the maturing process, that particular piece was complete. Then the the necessity of my contribution, not as a friend, but in terms of committing something specific was not no longer necessary. So that keeps us guessing and, and if you will, keeps us following Jesus. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I think, I just think that that's really the case. We've uh, just had some amazing relationships and we, I, I think the, the operative thing there is, is the change part. And it's just doing your best to pay attention to the, to the Holy spirit. Sometimes it's real obvious when a relationship is changing, sometimes it's not as obvious, you know, sometimes just time over time, um, it's it's more gradual and and the like. And I think that is, that is what has happened. Some, you know, there are some folks that we're super strong with, you know, that we, we were with when we first got here and came with, and then there's just other folks, like you said, just for that exact same reason, uh, the Lord's doing uh, doing different things and and awesome things uh, in their life, but is using other people to facilitate and help and and do that. So I, I do think that's that's there. I think when you are coming to live on the mission field, you know, mm-hmm. there's there's a tendency, and I, I think it's it's a it's a very natural one, a very understandable one. But you want to grab towards some permanence there in order to make yourself feel a little bit more settled and secure in a, in a brand new environment, an un, unfamiliar environment, you know, and the like. And mm-hmm. it, it's OK to feel that way. It's OK to feel that way. But, you know, one of the things that's really, really, really helped us success wise has been 
has been being flexible with what with what you're saying has has really been being flexible and and just trying to pay attention to when when the Holy Spirit moves, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, when the yeah. Holy Spirit goes and and does something something different because we haven't had really trying to think we haven't had any bad. I, I mean. I, I don't want to say we haven't had any bad, but I'm just trying to think if there's been, if there's been like, you know, cause sometimes you have relationships and they seem to, they seem to end on sour notes. Yeah. It doesn't seem yeah. like to me that that's been the case when I'm trying to, trying to think of that. There, there have been, there have been a couple of instances, you know, along the lines that could have been better, but sure. You know, sure. things do change. Things yeah. do change and, yeah. and the Lord's faithful in those changes. So for sure. You know, for sure. Well, and you had asked us to let you start, but make sure not let you finish. So or or not finish on your thoughts there. So we want to make sure and get any any contribution there from Trina that comes to mind relative to these questions or thoughts or something different, whatever's whatever she's thinking there. Sure. You know, Scott, anytime you go into a third world country, you feel like you've got to you've got to make a tangible difference, and I think that coming to South Africa, we we did see all of the the physical need around us, and and toss around. Maybe we should open an orphanage. Maybe we should do this or that or whatever. And I think the the most important thing in our lives is to continually lay things before the Lord and ask Him what are good things and what are God things in our life? Because we can do a lot of good things here that, that help temporarily, mm-hmm. but if they're not what God's telling us to do, they don't have a long-term effect. We do have the ability to do a few feeding schemes here, mm-hmm. which has been a huge blessing, not something that we intended to do starting out. We do clothing distribution in some of the areas that we work. And I think a lot of the things we do is more to empower the pastors that we work with because we can go into a village area and take a whole bunch of, of dry food goods and clothing and give to the pastors for them to pass out to their people. And it, and it, it gives them the ability to help their own people and helps the people not to look to us to meet their needs, but to, to continue to look to God. And and how he wants to help them be more than than what they could have been without him. Wow! And are those things, uh, as you say, and I really appreciate you saying that, Trina. By the way, as you say, there are things that we could do, and there maybe those are different sometimes than the things we should do. And having that kind of discernment to get to the bottom of that as being led by the Lord is really really important. So I, I, I'm tracking with you, and I'm, I'm thankful you made that distinction there, because as you say, and you know, just to give a little context, as you say, a third world country or someplace economically that is really challenged is uh, <laughs> it, it's uh, it, it's a shock to the system of people who come from more developed parts of the world. And for me, I know that was a challenge the first 10 or 15 times that I was in that type of context. It was it was a real challenge with an urgency that I felt like, wow, I got to jump in and do something here. I got to I got to do something economically. And it took me some time to work through that, which I think is what you're describing. And I think that's you know, really is part of what you were, are working through as you're deciding what you could do yeah. and what you should do. Yeah. Rodney and I make it a, a intentional thing once a year to put everything that we're doing before the Lord and just ask him, take away what's not you and show us directionally how we're supposed to carry on for the next year. And I think that's helped us a lot to to stay focused on him and what he wants us to do and not get sidetracked with all the many things that we could be doing. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm, and you know, that I appreciate you guys with that discipline 
not only to you know have the foresight to do that initially, but also to to have the to do it on a frequent basis. The seasons change, and we certainly want to keep pace with the grace that's being given to us in the time that we're in, and not lose our our synchronicity. So clearly, got to evaluate that, and that's a you know that's that's an awesome discipline for you guys, and I'm sure it's it's bearing fruit. Very cool. So peel back the layers here a little bit for us. And you you guys are working on leadership training. You're working on developing pastors and other leaders in the context. And that has been relationships that have started initially with the Indian community there in Durban, which is well represented with quite a few, as you'd mentioned. And then, of course, the Zulu community and the immigrant community. And I'm sure you've got relationships with uh, a variety of South African. I mean, I know there's some different uh, people groups represented there in addition to what you've mentioned. But peel back, if you will, give us some examples, if you will, of what kind of event you might do. Give us, Tell us about something you recently did and to what end you were doing it toward and 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 maybe some results of some of your efforts and contribution well let me let me just tell you let me just speak to the to the the work we do um amongst zulu pastors is, is that okay scott to, to give you an example there absolutely please so so we started that within the year that we we came here it's in a bit more remote area. It's a couple of hours away from where we live um, in an area called the Drakensberg Mountains. We had already met a pastor there who seemed to have an interest in encouraging other pastors. We had one strong relationship there. He had asked us if we would come and, and share with some other pastors. So, so we did. The first time we were there, uh, we got together. We had seven. We had seven leaders. They weren't all seven pastors. <laughs> it was maybe three okay. three pastors and two two ladies who who ran children's ministries. We call them creches here in in uh, South Africa, and another another. A leader or two that was just uh, was invited, um, but just had some sort of role. Well, so so when we come together, um, we generally it it is kind of a, a teaching and and personal ministry type of seminar where we get together with folks over the course of the better part of a couple of days. Um, we do have some some teaching time. We have some uh, personal ministry time. And we have some some testimony and feedback time. We we also mm. try real hard to get you know if we we've come to this we've come to this over time, but we we also try real hard to get some of their questions and even some of their teaching represented in the time that we're together, so that we can kind of hear hear what's going on with them. Well, mm. now, now we started that, like I said. 10, 10 years ago, odd, nine, 10 years ago, whenever it was, uh, with yeah. seven, seven individuals represented. And the last time, the last time we were together, we had more than a hundred in the same wow. area. Yep. Yep. And the, you know, the multiplier there, the, 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 the benefit to, to touching the leaders is that these leaders don't just touch one other people, one other person. <laughs> They touch a bunch of other folks, right? And we had uh, just a uh, we had a spectacular time of testimony that we didn't even know about people sharing about what God had done in their lives over the years of of the seminars and teaching and outreach and times we had been together with them, uh, and it was just uh, it was unbelievably affirming and really, really, actually surprising, Scott. E even though that number there was is, is there, and that's obvious. But just to hear hear them say, hear them share, you know, that um, mm. I, I don't know if that answers your question well enough. 
Scott, uh, let me just. Oh yeah. Let me just. Yes, go ahead, please. Do a little segue on this same area that we work in up, up in the Drakensberg. So, so we we were blessed with a, a Honda CRV a few years back, and one of the things that we've worked out that you can fit 500 Bibles along with the two of us and our clothes. <laughs> And water in that CRV. <laughs> so when we go to the Drakensberg, we take Bibles for the guys, for the pastors, and we give them away in boxes. So they get a box of Bibles to give out to the people in their church or or other pastors that they know. Um, because what we realized very shortly after living here, the majority of our population walks and they walk a long way and they carry their Bible under their arm most of the time. And so we were working with pastors that have Bibles that are missing full books out of them. <laughs> so so they can only teach portions of the Bible because they didn't have the rest of the Bible. So in taking Bibles to them, you know, we're, we're enabling them to to get into the scripture fully and to and to teach their people the fullness of the scripture. So that's been a huge, huge blessing for us to be able to see how uh, just a small thing like taking Bibles has has really impacted the community uh, in such a wow. big way. So that's another one of those things we never would have thought mm-hmm. that, Scott. We never would have thought yeah, we we never would have thought that we'd be literally giving away thousands of Bibles every year. You know, we just had no idea that we'd have a Bible ministry, if you will. But it's been a totally out of necessity, totally popped up since we've been here. Just been really, really neat to see the Lord do it. <laughs> and uh, oh, I sure cool. didn't know he was going to do it before before we got here. Yeah, that that that's super cool. I really appreciate how the Lord adds to what it is that we see in the beginning. You know, it's like uh, <laughs> seeing the horizon, right? Sure. You see the horizon, but the closer you get to that horizon, it you know the the picture continues to change and develop. And then, of course, you know once you get to that horizon, you're looking at a different one. So, I think as long as we keep moving, that's going to be something that we that we enjoy and, and can continue to be thankful for as we're making progress and, and the Lord's adding things to us. Very cool. I didn't have any idea you guys were doing the Bible giveaway thing, but you probably at the time didn't know either that there were people who didn't have a full copy of the scripture. I'm guessing. No, no. <laughs> wow. I didn't man. Wow. Sure didn't. Very cool. Well, I don't know if you noticed on your screen there, but we're being joined right now by a special guest. I'm 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 having to mute him because he's not listening through headphones. But uh, if you heard my voice back again, you'll know you are you are you seeing that on your screen there? We've Ron? got it. We've got it in big <laughs> letters here. In big letters. <laughs> Well, I know these guys work with with y'all as some stateside representation and taking care of things for you guys, Billy and Anna Bohannon. Now, if I can get Billy to put his uh, earbuds or his headphones on or something like that, I could probably open his mic so that we could talk to him. Yeah, it'd be good. It'd be uh, good. (laughs) I wanted to try to invite him into the conversation because he's – he, they're doing some stuff for you guys on the state side that's enabling what you guys are doing yes. on the on the foreign side. And, you know, this is this kind of parallels for me a story that I heard about one of the first missionaries that was sent from England, who I guess predated some of the first missionaries that were sent from the states. Mm. William Carey, you guys are familiar with William Carey. He created a society, and at the time, nobody got sent on missions was the idea. So he had the one of the first to have the idea. He was sent, but when he was sent, he had a, an active agency inside of Britain, and there was a guy like Billy and Anna, probably not from Georgia. but uh, <laughs> Almost <laughs> like, certainly not. Like, <laughs> yeah. Inside joke. Yeah. But he, he was... Uh, 
well, re- he was well represented inside of England, even though he was in Bengali at the time where, where William mm-hmm. Carey got sent initially. Mm-hmm. But the adding that component of, in this case, stateside representation for your efforts is probably been a game changer because mm-hmm. you can't be two places in one time. Yeah. I, I can see how that would have been the case. Uh, you want to speak to that before we, while we give Billy time to get his earbuds in? Sure. You know, I, I, again, the way that it works just logistically in terms of a, a missionary from the States, you, you have to have representation there in the States. The, the way it works with us it does not require a tremendous amount of time each week for Billy and Anna, but what they do is utterly indispensable and critical for us. We could not do what we are doing without them just from a straight-up logistic standpoint in terms of managing the, the, the finances that we have and the, the legal paperwork that that has to be done from time to time that that's one aspect to my knowledge you can't you can't do what we're doing without that that that's one number 2 you know they're uh, very very dear people in our lives so there's a measure of encouragement just hearing their voices on a consistent basis that is also something that's difficult to put into words. And I just don't think we could do what we do without that being present as well. <laughs> you know, so it's, it's a logistic thing, a practical thing, but it's also, boy, it's a spiritual and emotional thing too. Their, wow. their, their service to us. Wow. That, that's a blessing. I, actually, Billy, I think we got his technical difficulties uh, worked out there. Billy, you want to say hey to us here? Hey, guys. <laughs> wow, that was the pregnant pause if I ever heard one. I don't know if you heard all those glowing things that Rod said about you. We'll, we'll guess that you did, but he uh, – we were just talking about the aspect of having having someone – I did. I was uh, writing them down. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Quite a, quite a studier there you are. But what, what would you give us just a second here? And we might invite Anna in as well if she's up to it or has time. I know this is kind of all on the spur of the moment. But, you know, what would you say? What, what, what's been your experience when it comes to being involved in the mission that Rod and Trina are working in from a stateside standpoint? Well, it's been an honor to be what little part we are for them. And as I begin my own mission walk, I realize that the Lord has used them to introduce me softly into the world of missions through their eyes. And I really appreciate that. And I've uh, come to understand the sacrifice that it takes to do missions, especially in the long-term nature that they are in, understanding financially what they sacrifice and from a family point what they sacrifice and how they dedicate their lives to the Lord fully. It truly is giving up everything you are to serve Him. Very, very well put, man. And I I think that's something that we in the business of missions, if we can say that, I think that's something that is often overlooked because, you know, there's a glamour and maybe a romanticism to some degree that's associated with missions. Oh, you're going to these far flung places of the world and you're, you're, you know, putting on your rock star boots and you're getting out there, getting it done and all that. And, you know, that, that, it, that, that is certainly a part of what happens, but there's a, there's a, rubber meets the road or a, you know, a real practical element of that too. Like we got to get those deposits in the bank. Hey, we got to get that money somewhere else or Hey, you know, we're, we're over here. Uh, in some cases, the cash flow doesn't match the need. And, you know, and there's a, sometimes it's not very rhythmic, you know, it, it's not very, uh, 
what would you say? It's not ideal. And I think sometimes when we think about missions, we have a, we're plagued with idealism that um, is a real challenge. I mean, it, it's something to overcome, I think. In my case, I know that's something I've worked on through the years. But uh, the idealism of missions vanishes pretty quickly when you're out there doing it because nothing's idyllic, <laughs> right? Everything's... Uh, you know, you're working against a real context. You're you're pushing against real obstacles, even if they're just in the spirit. They are very real, and uh, to take those steps of uh, being fully committed and pouring yourself out where nothing is familiar. Yeah, I'm I'm thankful also, as you say, Billy, for Rod and Trina's example. Anything you guys want to say about that specifically, Rod or Trina, in terms of the idyllic? versus the realistic you know the the note i would add there is that that relationship between somebody who's living on the field and somebody who's helping to manage things back stateside or back in another country whether it's the states or somewhere else is is also something that that really needs to be approached with a good bit of flexibility and grace and and prayer you know it's just like you said it's not a there's not really a manual on that and you know like you said the needs are different uh, one of the things that we do um you know we we do some work in some other african countries uh, notably in zimbabwe we have to channel some money i mean basic needs money to zimbabwe for example and it's been a process of working out how best to do that. <laughs> and we do it, you know, Billy and Billy and Ann are the ones that do it. I just, I just would encourage other folks with regard to that. You know, it's, it's, it's not a perfect world. Like you said, it's not a perfect world and you just need to be patient with each other and love each other and approach it with, with that idea to start with, because that is, you have to have that kind of relationship. You just have to have that kind of relationship and, and uh, you, I tell you what, that's a very, very good encouragement in general, but particularly in that relationship. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I, I think also just remembering the fact that that if you're going on the mission field, there's a lot of people that won't want to support you straight up. They want to see that you're doing something once you get there, and and so there's a period of time that you really have to you've got to tough it out to prove that you're worthy of their donations, if, if I can say it that way. But but at the same time, one of the things that Billy and Anna do, which is huge, is to tell people about about things that we don't think to tell them about. Because, because we can come and say, we're doing X, Y, Z in these countries to help people but then to remind people that we also have to pay rent on a place to live and we also have to pay transportation to get to those places to be able to do the things we're doing there and that it's that it, it takes money to do those things also it, it you know it's not just all what we're giving to the people we also still have to live while we're here for sure well thanks for saying that i, I really what you're talking about there is you're proving yourself in a way to get people to really trust that you're doing something that they consider to be worthwhile. And after they have that evidence, then they get involved. One thing I've been surprised about, especially in the third world context or, you know, the emerging world context is we think everything's cheaper and a lot of stuff is cheaper in the third world context. But when you get ready to buy a gallon of gas or you get ready to buy a car <laughs> or you get ready to rent a car or you get, re you know, movement is much more expensive yes, in the foreign is. context than it is locally. There, there, a lot, there are a number of things that are a lot less expensive or markedly less expensive. But if you're on the move. You know, you're uh, you're <laughs> you're going to pay the price. That's for sure. So I, I, I'm tracking with you completely. Thanks for mentioning that. So we're we're going to 
we're we're going to have to wrap it up here. And I would like for us to get another shot at this if we can. I know we're going to do some recording when we're over with you guys in Durban. And also we'll get some time with some of your guys uh, and ladies that are that are there in terms of getting their perspective. But I really think we there's a lot more to talk about here. And I want to give Billy one last shot here. If he wants to say something more in follow-up about what you guys said there, because like you say, if there's money that needs to be moved around, it's easier for them to do it than it is for you. Billy, is there something something more you wanted to say kind of in conclusion? I know we kind of only invited you into the last part of this. Is there something more you wanted to say to or about Rod and Trina that they wouldn't say about themselves? <laughs> Yeah, I would like to say that sometimes we think of ourselves as not being too significant for the kingdom. But, you know, you look at these two and the sacrifice they made to go there and look at how many lives have been touched in in several countries by simply them obeying the word to go. And that's just so powerful when you look at obedience and just yielding yourself to be used from two people from a small little area in America, making difference in literally thousands of lives by, you know, dedicating themselves and being obedient. That's just powerful, man. And I look at that a lot as an inspiration to the way I live my life. And I appreciate, like you said earlier, the example they set for us. Of course, we know they are perfect human beings. And that's why I look up to them. <laughs> oh, what a joker. Uh-huh. What a joker. Well, yeah, we'll play some practical jokes when we're all together. Maybe we'll get some of that on video. Yes. But, uh, no, yes. <laughs> very, very cool. Yeah, like you say, and I, I was completely tracking with you there, Billy, because I, I really believe that often when we look at missions, we, we think about it, again, in glorified terms, and we think about sometimes maybe a lot of that would be beyond our reach. But, it, you know, it, it's not, and it all boils down to what you're saying there. Mm-hmm. It, it boils down to obedience. I think about the parable, one of the parables of Jesus, where he said, a sower went forth to sow, a, a planter went forth to plant, right? And, I mean, that, that, that planter... That sower, that one who's spreading the seed, as I think about it, you know, I think about that's Jesus, right? And the planting that he's doing is our lives. You think also about the other parables where it says, unless a a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it abides alone. And I think to the degree that we plant ourselves in obedience, then there's anticipated fruit, and so that's what you're talking about. You're talking about these guys that planted themselves in foreign soil, and the Lord's going to reap a harvest from that. And that's that's worthy of honor in my estimation, and I, I really appreciate it. I appreciate uh, Rod and Trina. Thank you very much for being with us. We'll get another crack at this uh, soon, hopefully, maybe even before we come to see you. I'm really looking forward to it. Billy and I will be there with uh, maybe a few others. In just a few months, and we're we're really we're really looking for you to drag us around Africa like we did you in Mexico and pay us back some of those favors. Amen. Amen. Not to worry. <laughs> the tongues of the visitors will be tired. <laughs> that is the goal. Well, yeah. Hey, we'll in Billy's case that might be hard. Uh, you too you too brother don't no, I'm messing, I'm messing yeah. with y'all I'm messing yes. with everybody here yes. No, yes, thanks you for, thank, thank you guys for being with us we appreciate your friendship and are thankful for your life and, and your service and and yeah thanks if somebody wanted to get in touch with you guys they wanted to find out more about what you're doing see your uh, a website an email how would somebody maybe become more familiar with what you guys are doing and how would they reach out to you after that if if they'd like to let me give you let me give you 3 okay, okay. there's www.ircministries.org okay we are all the time on IRC Ministries on Facebook. 
And anytime you can email you can. us at info at ircministries.org. So it's I as in indigo, R as in radar, and C as in Charlie. I know Billy's over there, a military man, mocking me silently. My call signs are all messed up, but I R C ircministries.org, IRC Ministries on Facebook, or info, I-N-F-O, at ircministries.org. Yep. Very cool. Yeah, that's easy enough. Thanks again, guys, for being with us. We'll let you know when this thing is getting ready to publish. And uh, if you guys would stick around uh, just a little bit, we'll get this stuff uploaded, and we'll get on back to our lives. Great, Scott. Good to talk to you. We can't wait to see you. Thanks for staying up late with us. Our pleasure. Very cool. Well, this is Scott McClellan with your From the Forefront. Adios, guys. Love y'all. Thanks for being with us. If you'd like to contact me or us, please do so at fxmissions.com. This podcast made possible through the partnership of Engaging Missions Show, bringing missions home, and encouraging you to hear a message, make connections, and take action. Find out more at engagingmissions.com. Thanks for joining us for the FX Missions podcast from the forefront. If you'd like to find out more about FX Missions, please do so at our blog, fxmissions.com. With quite a bit of content out there, we hope you enjoy it. Also, if you'd like to rate us on iTunes or whatever podcast service you use, we would really appreciate it. And find out more about today's guest at our Facebook page. Just search for From the Forefront on Facebook. If you know of someone who should be featured on From the Forefront because of their forefront missions experience or exploits, please reach out to us at info at fxmissions.com. Thanks again for joining us. And until next time, I'm Scott McClelland, and you have a good one.